welcome to the Felt Recall Podcast. It's good to see your beautiful face. Thanks for coming back. This is episode number 108. My name is Chris, and across from me, it is... Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I'm just going to move this along. Nancy. I'm Patrick. Patrick. No, that's my mom. So close. She's on my mind, I must say. Well, (laughs) yeah. Your brother... I'll let you take that up with her. Your brother posted a meme today that basically said, uh, science has proven the more you know, the more you worry, the less happy you are. And then I replied and said, Patrick is smiles all the time. All smiles all the time. And your mom comes in, Christopher. And I say, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I noticed you didn't say I was wrong. And then she referenced the podcast and said, we know who's boss here, which was a podcast reference, if you remember. I said here recently, don't worry, everybody knows when your mom walks into a room who the boss really yeah. is. So she's listening. Good to hear from your mom. Okay, uh, we have a really weird story to read to you tonight from the Boston Globe that I think is really, and I mean this sincerely, it is Nazi propaganda. <laughs> I, just, I truly, thoroughly believe uh, that it is nothing but far left-wing Nazi propaganda. And I, I think it's important that we preface the entire episode by saying we hope you will remember where we stand in the sense of I think last week was probably the best, most sincere dive we've given to the idea of everybody needs to calm down, stop being crazy, and remember that there's not really going to be a clear side to pick if everything goes south. Like if Donald Trump does ever become a dictator as the left would literally have you believe through this article from the Boston Globe. I'm not going to fight for Donald Trump to remain dictator, but I'm also not going to fight on the side of the Black Lives Matter rioters and the Antifas and these guys that are kind of coalescing together into this very violent, radical group. So there's going to be the large majority of Americans, I believe, who will just kind of sit there and go, okay, now what exactly am I supposed to do? And this article, I think, will shed light on all that. Yeah, I think so. Right? Wrong? Okay, I think so. Um, we're going to tell you a little bit about this week's charity of choice. I know it's going to feel repetitive. I know you're thinking already, man, can they just get over it? But uh, no, no, we can't get over it because the 30th was um, the National Day Against Trafficking in Humans. Uh, so we've chosen Operation Underground Railroad. To be this week's charity of choice again, I want you to hear this. I don't think I can do this job, Tim. As soon as I lay down, all you see are those kids' faces. How long you been doing this? Twelve years. How do you do it? It is the fastest growing international crime network that the world has ever seen. It has already passed the illegal arms trade, and soon it's going to pass the drug trade. So what you're hearing here is the full-on trailer for the soon-to-be-released feature film, Sound of Freedom. Uh, it's going to be the biographic tale of Tim Ballard. We can't go off rescuing kids in Colombia. This job tears you to pieces. This is my one chance to put those pieces back together. And it's going to document uh, him starting Operation Underground Railroad. Be easy way to support the charity and, you know, uh, it's not going to be entertaining. I don't think you're going to have fun watching that movie. I think it's going to tear you apart a little bit. I don't know how it doesn't a decent human being. Um, but there it is. So it's called The Sound of Freedom, and it's coming very, very soon. It's the biopic of Tim Ballard, uh, the founder of Operation Underground Railroad. And, yes, it's Jim Caviezel playing uh, Mr. Ballard. So it looks like a, a lot of heavy hitters came together and volunteered their time to help make that movie happy. So that's going to... Uh, happen. And it's pretty exciting to see them get together and do that. Okay. So OURrescue.org for more information. As they said, there are 2 million children a year entering uh, trafficking around the world and they're working on saving it, but uh, they need money to do that. So I happily give them some of mine. I hope you'll choose to do the same. Okay. Can I just, 
have to share this story. Let's lighten it up a bit. Dictators, child trafficking. It's all serious stuff. It needs to be talked about. So I think I need to tell it in this order. A little while ago, I've been on this kick lately on my pers- in my personal life where I'm fascinated, <clears throat> and you've heard me say this, but I'm, and, and, and we're living it. What we're doing right now is the embodiment of what I'm about to say, but I'm fascinated by the fact that we live in a day and age and a time unprecedented in history where if you want to go out and do your own thing that you're passionate about that you enjoy, you can, right? I've said that to you before. I don't think that's a joke. No, that's not a new concept. Not news to you. No. So I've been trying to encourage everyone around me, down to the young nieces and nephews at the dinner table last night at my parents' house, as we all gathered for this big family meal, and they're talking about college, and my little cousin's saying, oh, I'm going to take a gap, and she literally says, I'm going to take a gap year. I'm going to figure out, you know, adulting and life, and then, and I said, you do that. Shoot me a message and let me know. Because I don't know. I don't have it either. Cram a lot in in a year there, huh? Right? And so my point to her was, hey, you need to understand no, nobody knows. You know, I'm almost 40 years old. I got three kids. And every day I put my head on the pillow and I look up at the ceiling for a few minutes. And I think, okay, was this the right way to do that? Was this the right decision to make here? Um, those little things like that. And so um, I was just trying to kind of give some lighthearted but realistic advice of I think it's a mistake to graduate high school and then believe you got to go figure something out. You're never going to figure anything out. It's not going to make sense. It's never, ever going to make sense. You might learn a concept about business or about social media or marketing or, or you know, whatever. And you might, oh, okay, I've got, a, I've got a knack for this and maybe I can go do that. But you're never going to feel like you have an entire, I mean, maybe some somebody does. Maybe Tony Robbins would walk in the room and be like, ah, you're wrong there, Vermillion, you know, and point me in the right direction. But I don't think you ever really figure it all out. And you'll definitely never feel like you have figured it all out, right? It's kind of a crap shoot. I don't know that I've met anyone that I thought, yep, that guy's got it figured out. Right, yeah, yeah Sorry, yeah. friends. Yeah. I mean. Definitely not George. De- yeah. He Any of decide. my friends that are listening to this, I'm not referring to you. What, what? What type of person? How about that for a disclaimer? Yeah. I mean, you sell hardwoods or you sell carpet. It's one or the other. Pick a side. Pretty easy, actually. You know, he's probably yeah. non-denominational as well. Come on. Get off the fence. Pick a side. Yeah. Fully non-denominational. Uh, <laughs> in every way. <laughs> um, so, all that to say, I've been kind of on this campaign with people I talk to where I go, you should, you should just know that you can go out and do your thing. And my wife is a big reason I say that, right? Like, here's somebody, a woman who was in sales. Yeah. She decided she didn't want to do sales anymore, and she really legitimately just thought, I would love to figure out how to build websites for people. And within five or six years of very, very hard work, very long hours, it's not like it was easy, but she stepped away. Now she runs her own business out of the home, and she could very well make her income plus mine if she did it full time. But she does it and she stays home with the kids as well which isn't even a fair way to describe it because she is actually running a company out of the house uh, while being home with three kids so it's a marathon every day for that poor woman that's why i have an office job (laughs) it's like well i'll see you enjoy the kids (laughs) you know and i run off anyway i'm really glad she doesn't listen to this uh me too uh even she's sitting right there glad for you Chris, it's weird we do this in her office. Yeah, there she is. Uh, <laughs> why, why is she looking at you like that? They're looking at us. Um, Those are the microphones I paid for. Uh, <laughs> anyway, where, where, what am I even talking about? So my cousin comes over, right? And uh, she tells me, she goes, I have this dream of selling everything we own, buying an RV, and just traveling the country because – her oldest just graduated high school, and her oldest is about to go get a job, maybe get an apartment, go out into the world. And so they've got young kids now to take care of. And she goes, I would love nothing more. I just want to sell everything and get an RV and travel. And I said, you you can do it. You know, I'm like, Argh. I say, you, listen to me. You can, you can sell your car. You can sell everything you've got. You could get companies on board with that. If you agree to blog about it, you buy a handheld camera. Heck, you could probably do a lot of it with your cell phone. Start an Instagram account. Start 
you know, a proof of concept for these companies and, and email it over to them and tell Camping World and, you know, everybody you can think of that I'm going to go take this big trip, you know, contact Backpackers Pantry and all these people. And you say, I'm going to do this cross-country trip. And I'm going to get to know my family and I'm going to show the world, you know, rural USA and the national parks and all this. And I'm just like on fire. And I'm telling you, she's like, yeah, yeah. So... A little to my surprise, but not a, a lot. She's very audacious. Like, she'll go get it done. Um, but a little while later, she starts to go fund me. And she posted it Facebook. And I'm like, no kidding. She's going to do it. And she's like, this is what we want to do. If you want to contribute to us living our dream and going and doing our thing, I'd love some support. So I'm like, nice. Nice. Do it. Good for you. I'm like slow clapping in my living room. So we so we fast forward to this last weekend, <laughs> and my sister has a birthday party for her son out at the park, right? And we're sitting around, and my cousin who wants the RV isn't there, but her husband is. Okay, so it's her husband and the kids, mm-hmm. and she's off at work. And he comes over, and it's just the two of us at this picnic table at the park. He's like, "What's up, buddy?" I'm like, "What's going on, man?" He's like, "Man, good, good." I go, hey, I saw uh, saw your GoFundMe, man. You can get in that RV and, and take a trip. And I dude, no joke, he goes, I don't know where she gets these crazy ideas. <laughs> <laughs> you were all, yeah, man, crazy. Uh, he goes, that ain't happening, man. Come on, I mean, sell everything we own in an RV all around the country with two young kids. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, what a what wild, a loony idea. Wild, uh, but I did fess up. Like I let him rant to get it out, and then when I <laughs> felt like he felt better, I was like, hey, um, I might carry a little bit of the blame. Like My bad. maybe let's just say that if it ever comes up, if she's ever like, oh man, did I ever tell you about that time I was at somebody's house and they were like, you should sell everything and get an RV and. Companies would support you. Ah, that that was my house. I don't want it to be a surprise. That was me. Anyway, if so, you see a GoFundMe, it was really funny for from me, <laughs> yeah. and I'm asking for money for a Ferrari. Yes, I'm just. I just want you to know. I'm just trying to live out my dream. Do it. Do it. If I could give you a piece of advice, yeah, mm-hmm. start an Instagram account, okay, and decide that you're going to trade a paperclip for a Ferrari, <laughs> yeah, and get the world to follow you, yep, and and do those things, you know, because you know that's legitimately happened. Remember yeah. that dude did that and he ended up with a house, which, if I'm not mistaken, I think he ended up giving to like a family in need or something. He ended up doing something really cool at the end because he made a bunch of money, but he ended up with a house. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. I remember it inspired a bunch of other people to kind of do the same thing. Yeah. That was like when eBay was in its heyday. Exactly, yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. eBay was just launching, and he used eBay to, I'm going to trade you this paperclip, but you got to trade me something else. Yeah, much like the guy that did the tattoo on the forehead for the million dollars back in the day for mm-hmm. the 888poker.com or yep. whatever it was. Uh, and then everybody's like, hey, I got an idea. Yep. I'll write things on my forehead. And then... You know, some companies will pay people for that, which is a whole nother rabbit trail. I won't go down, but can we please just stop acting like we're glamorous for doing what everybody else is already doing? That is the thing I'm tired of on social media is everybody's taking the same style of pictures and there's, you know, a handful of guys doing or and women, but a handful of people actually doing unique things. And then everybody else is just some sort of derivative of those unique things. Can we please stop with that? Okay. That's a cycle that will never end. Sir. I hate it. Anyway, so I just wanted to share that and get it off my chest because I've been uh, holding it inside, inside since uh, last weekend at the birthday party. I love it. Yeah, it was kind you of know, my parents, uh, they're, they're big into the RVing, and they love follow it. a bunch of families that do just what your, uh, was it your niece was talking about? Cousin. Yeah, cousin. yeah, my cousin. Yeah, so uh, they they kind of, they, they've shown me a couple of videos of these, these families it's pretty wild. Uh, they they get out there and travel all over in all these different types of RVs. And I mean, I don't see why not. I really don't. Apparently, it's a big thing. There's a bunch of them out there. <clears throat> Look, we're in a day and age 
where you can live such a unique life. Have you seen Captain Fantastic with Viggo Mortensen? No. It's like my dream. Like, legitimately, if I could be anybody, I would be him, except he's kind of a crappy father, if I, if I recall correctly. But he's essentially a guy who takes his family off the grid, teaches his kids to survive, has a loving, beautiful wife. So I already have all those things, uh, except the ability to teach my kids anything about living in the wild. I would have to learn that. But uh, they basically go out and they live off the land as a family, and they have just. I can see you now, like teaching your kids how to make fire, and you're like, "All right, hang on a second, let me get my phone out, and let me." All right, all right, pay attention, kids. This I have is how a, you turn the light on. Hey, you know what? I'm going to take issue with that one because I got Pat Mack on my side on that one. That's a good point. Uh, he has endorsed my son's fire making abilities with Flint. That is Steel true publicly. So, uh, but everything else you're right. Yeah, about. No, no, no. But hang everything on a second. Right hang about. on, hang on, hang on. That means your son can do it. Right. That doesn't have anything to do with you. I haven't seen any video of you lighting any I, fires. I was, I was kind of hoping you wouldn't catch on to that technicality. <laughs> you are not wrong. Um, Sorry, buddy. Thanks, Pat Mack. You're a good man. Uh, dude, basic dude stuff. Um, okay, let's not get too lost in the weeds. My point is, Captain Fantastic is what I would want to do with my life. We, as a people, have the ability to do that. If you're in a job you hate, surrounded by people you dislike, and you're making money for some unethical weirdo, you now have the re- the resources, everything you need to s- just step away. And, and, and but, but slowly, like you, I was listening to John Bartolo today, which I think you follow on LinkedIn as well. Yep. He's the one that's given FN all the grief yep. for the last year. That's H- why I Hilarious, him, hilarious. But I was listening to him today, and um, he was talking about, now I just lost my train of thought. Um, okay, hold on, what was I saying? Captain Fantastic, you can walk away. You now have all the resources you need to go do your own thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically about the slow grind. It's not like you're going to walk away tomorrow. Oh, yes. Here's exactly what I was thinking. He said, you can do the thing you hate as long as it takes to do the thing you love, which is a great point yeah, to I make, like right? So even if you're really unhappy with what you're doing now, you just do it long enough to fund the thing you love, mm-hmm. and then you can step away and do I mean, you can do anything you want to do. You can go do people are making YouTube channels and Twitch channels, cooking in their kitchen and dancing is one lady that has like millions of followers and she makes a lot of money. Um, What's she going to do now that um, Don's knocking TikTok out of here? Yeah, we could really talk about that, couldn't we? No, that's Twitch. She wasn't on TikTok. But there are people whose business models are now undermined if that is a thing, right? Like, isn't that crazy thing about that there's... There's uh, agencies out there who have really gone heavy into, well, we'll teach you TikTok. And now they've bought all these ads on let us teach you TikTok. Well, who would even, I don't think you're necessarily wrong to buy that service right now, but you're definitely hesitating and saying, well, I didn't know you could monetize anything off TikTok. I thought it was literally just a way of wasting time. Yeah, I don't know how you're going to, I would love to hear somebody, I've tried to flesh that out before talking with my wife about how would you monetize uh, such rapid content in succession mm-hmm. and that's a very interesting thing i think it could be done um but that's neither here nor there here's my point we are in a po- we are at a point in time where it is being done people are making money on tiktok people are making money on twitch and they're just doing things they really enjoy doing Seth bike hacks huge point of inspiration here's a guy who was a computer coder or whatever he did he was in computer software at some point uh of some sort uh and he decided i'll start a youtube channel teaching people how to fix their own bikes and so here he goes. And now he's up to 2 million subscribers. He's got what you know seems to be a half million dollar home in the hills of North Carolina. He's got his own private bike park that he's building out. Why it's not? amazing. It's amazing what you can do. But it does require effort, determination, discipline, all those things. You got to get up and do it. Anyway, that's all I was trying to do was say those things to my cousin. And then she went out and did it. <laughs> and I heard back about it, which I just Whoopsie thought was daisies. really funny. Really funny. All right, hey, uh, we got a YouTube channel. Um, we're not making thousands of dollars. In fact, I don't even think we've made one, but that's all what? right. Yeah, yeah. We're just there to show you some fun stuff like the loophole LTO tracker. Patrick gives you the 101 on why the tracker is a great option for thermal imaging. If you're looking for something that's at a price point that won't break your bank or ruin your marriage when your wife finds it and says, well, how much was this? Because I earn all the money and you don't do anything but sit around and eat. 
Chris, Chris, stop. Oh, stop. stop. Bring me back. Stop, Bring me buddy. back. Stop before you get yourself in trouble. Thanks. Um, no, I didn't say she was wrong. <laughs> said this is what she says. Uh, check it out. YouTube.com slash Felt Recall Show. YouTube.com. Uh, you can also go to FeltRecallShow.com and link over to us there. Okay. Now, let's get to the meat of it for the next 20 minutes or so. I am really convinced that what I'm about to read to you is nothing short of Nazi propaganda from the Boston Globe. I tell you that because of this. We know, we know that mail-in voting is the topic du jour right now. The state of Nevada, according to CNN, just today has signed into law a measure that will allow every registered voter to vote by mail. And here's the takeaway. Here's the takeaway. The legislation, according to CNN, this is not Chris Vermillion making things up. It's according to CNN. The legislation will also ease some restrictions for who can legally handle and submit other people's ballots. Okay. All right. Woo. The good news here is that uh, the Democrats don't have to get dead people to vote for them now. Right. They can just have other people's votes uh, given to them. Or in Hillary's case... She can vote for you and then kill you. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I mean, that that works too. (laughs) That's the thing. And then potentially have you vote again after she's killed you. Brings up an interesting question. Who will Epstein vote for? (laughs) Mm. That is is a quandary. Um, I don't kid. I mean that. Uh, So this legislation is going to allow people in Nevada... To legitimately take a paper ballot and go turn it in and, and say, uh, I'm turning this in for Nana, and she voted for so-and-so. I mean, it, it'll, it'll happen in Trump's favor, and it'll happen in Biden's favor. There's going to be voter fraud on both sides, and I'm not uh, convinced there won't be. And by the way, neither are the diehard partisans. Let's listen. Is it Nadler or Nadler? Old Jerry Nadler, right? I don't think it matters. Um, I've, However... I see people are calling him the penguin now. Okay. I can agree. So we could go with that. Bears a striking resemblance to uh, the penguin from the uh, the Batman. Which one was that? Was that yeah. Batman Forever? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And what's weird, the last Keaton flick, right? Yeah. So No, Forever was Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. You, Batman Returns was Catwoman and Penguin. Yes. Batman, Batman yep. Returns. And then I don't think Keaton, did Keaton do a third? I don't think he did. No. All right. I wish Stump were here. He'd know. Anyway, he's my best friend. Uh, <laughs> here's the penguin uh, saying the problem with paper ballots when there's not a machine verification process involved. Uh, it's 2004. Listen to him. Uh, paper ballots are extremely susceptible to fraud. And at least what? with the old clunky voting machines that we have in New York, um, the, the de- deliberate fraud... Is way down uh, compared to paper. When they when the machines break down, they vote on paper. We've had real problems. Yeah. So that's a that is there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. I'm simply observing that as a problem. There's got to be a way of getting the best of our methodologies. But in that guy is crazy. The old clunky voting machines. I think we should start calling him old clunky. Sorry, he was so loud. By the way, uh, old clunky. Either way fits. Old clunky penguin. I like. Ooh. Especially given the pants, man. Yeah. Like, what is going on there? You know you're past your belly button. At, some, at a given point, you yeah. go, I'm above my navel with these things. Also, it, legitimately, is he a midget? Yeah, he's really short. Okay. I don't I don't know that I would give him midget status. But I keep seeing pictures of him, and I've never seen he's him anywhere tiny. other than sitting down behind a bench. So now I'm seeing him where he's standing next to people, and he's got to be... Like less than five five. Five three. Man. Look at Google Go. Look who he's shorter than. He's shorter than Nancy, Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi. Nadler literally has to look up to Nancy Pelosi. That's hilarious. Anyway, okay. So there's Nadler confirming what Trump is telling you now. Trump is now saying, hey, there's gonna be massive fraud. Now we know there's fraud every election. People are arrested. Every election cycle on both sides of the aisle trying to defraud the election. I don't think election fraud is a partisan issue. I think everybody should agree 
that there's fraud at play here. We know that, right? Okay. So in comes the Boston Globe. And there's a couple of things I want to say at the outset so we don't have to... When I'm reading this, you don't have to stop and think these things, right? We already believe them. A, it's pure propaganda. B, we want to know who wrote it. C, we want to know why. Like, who commissioned the study I'm about to tell you was done? The war game? That might be the most important question. All right, this is bostonglobe.com. Headline, a bipartisan group secretly gathered to game out a contested Trump-Biden election. It wasn't pretty. This is written by Jess Bidgood. Yeah, that's a real name. (laughs) Washington. On the second Friday in June, a group of political operatives, former government and military officials and academics, quietly convened online for what became a disturbing exercise in the fragility of American democracy. You know what this makes me think of, by the way? If you've never read Power of Habit, you should read Power of Habit. It'll change your life. We'll put a link up on our Facebook page. But in the Power of Habit, he covers that study they did at Stanford with the prison system. Remember this? Where they gave some uh, some students the power of the officer and they made some... The prisoners. Yep. The prisoners. And it was Lord of the Flies within a few days. There was legitimate torture and hazing and all sorts of nastiness. There were psychological effects for years on some of these people because they were you know, conducting this crazy experiment. Anyway... That's immediately what I think of when they talk about uh, they're going to do this disturbing exercise. But turns out it's not. Turns out it's not that at all. Let's continue, and then I'll tell you what I think it is. And Patrick, you tell me if, if, you, if you disagree. The group included Democrats and Republicans gathered to game out possible results of the November election, grappling with questions that seem less far-fetched by the day. So it would seem crazy yesterday, but it's not crazy today. What if President Trump refuses to concede a loss, as he publicly hinted recently he might do? How far could he go to preserve his power? And what if Democrats refuse to give in? So what if Trump's a monster, and what if the Democrats stand up to him? Go. All right. So, but hang on a second. Sure. So didn't he uh, allude to essentially not giving in to the results of the election uh, when he was running against Hillary? So this is not a new concept, in other words. Yeah. He did an interview, and, and someone asked him something to the effect of, you know, would he accept the results if he lost? And he basically was like, yeah, we'll see. And didn't Hillary say the exact same thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Remember, they both had... But, but it, that wasn't a big deal. Right. It's because it's not. But it was not. a huge deal when Trump said it. I hate people who argue hypotheticals as if there's something to learn from them to a degree. Like, we're not talking, um, you know, political philosophy in any way. They're just arguing to have something to argue about. Yes, absolutely. And this is um, based on, a, I guess, a question that Chris Wallace asked Trump about a week ago in an interview uh, where essentially these pose the same question again that we heard in 2015 or whatever, in 2016, whenever that was. Uh, and so it's like we're living in a loop right now. Like this is nothing new. This is the same thing that we've already been through. And so the left is going to spin this up. And it's funny to me that this is what they lead with. This is the first scenario that they start talking about in this quote unquote experiment. Doesn't it feel, but it's, well, again, like we said, it's because it's propaganda, right? Um, Most certainly. All right. So Rosa Brooks is a Georgetown law professor and a former Defense Department official who co-organized the group known as the Transition Integrity Project, a.k.a. Just the Tip. That that sounds very official. DIP. She described what they found in bleak terms, quote, all of our scenarios ended in both street-level violence and political impasse. The law is essentially... It's almost hopeless or helpless against a president who's willing to ignore it. The law is essentially, it's almost helpless against a president who's willing to ignore it. Pray tell, how did we get Obamacare again? Mm. I can't can't remember. They changed the rules of the Senate debate. And then, yeah, okay. I I thought it was just divine intervention. 
Using a role-playing game that is a fixture of military and national security planning, the group envisioned a dark 11 weeks between Election Day and Inauguration Day, one in which Trump and his Republican allies used every apparatus of government, the Postal Service, state lawmakers, the Justice Department, federal agents, and the military to hold on to power. And Democrats took to the courts and the streets to try to stop it. If it sounds paranoid or outlandish, a war room of seasoned politicos and constitutional experts playing a Washington version of Dungeons and Dragons in which the future of the Republic hangs in the balance, they get it. But as they finalize a report, like who gets this report is a question I have. But as they finalize a report on what they learned and begin briefing elected officials and others, see that? They're going to brief elected officials. Who paid for this? Mm Mm-hmm. We were just talking about them, I do believe. Nancy Pelosi, Jerry (laughs) Nadler. They insist their warning is serious. A close election this fall is likely to be contested, and there are few guardrails to stop a constitutional crisis, particularly if Trump flexes the considerable tools at his disposal to give himself an advantage. He doesn't have to win the election, said Nils Gilman, a historian who leads research at a think tank called the Bergruen Institute and was an organizer of the exercise. That dude totally made that up. That's not even a real thing. He's just making up words now. Probably. Um, The Bergruen Institute, he says, quote, he just has to create a plausible narrative that he didn't lose. The very existence of a group like this one, which was formed late last year, underscores the extent of the fear in Washington's political circles and beyond... And beyond, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell me more. That Trump will take the same hammer. This is my favorite line in the whole thing. <laughs> that Trump will take the same hammer he has used to fracture the norms of executive governance over the past three years and upend the nation's delicate tradition of orderly political transitions of power by refusing to concede if he loses. This week on our Facebook page... We posted a screen grab of a tweet from the NRA in which they quoted Donald Trump as saying, if guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns. Right? Something like that. Uh, Then he ends it by saying, very simple. (laughs) Very simple. Here is the man who outlawed an accessory that fits on to the firearm that is a part of your name. The National Rifle Association. And with the stroke of a pen, Donald Trump himself turned law-abiding Americans into outlaws for owning a bump stock. And the NRA, for some silly reason, is still his biggest cheerleader. I don't want to get down a crazy rabbit hole here. No, but go ahead. The whole Vegas thing is, yes. is why he right. outlawed these. And nobody believes it. No one believes it, but also uh, the FBI put out a report saying that there were no bump stocks used in that shooting, by the way. What? I know, I know. Anyway, uh, back to matters at hand. My point is, (laughs) I feel about the Boston Globe and Barack Obama the way I do about the NRA and Donald Trump. Barack Obama sent spies legitimate spies into the Trump transition team in order to gain information that was used to write a false dossier against the man by people who were paid by the Democrats so that they could get an impeachment against Donald Trump. Now, hopefully... The thing that no one can see at home right now as you're listening to this is Chris is standing up, waving his arms around, and he has red yarn yes. and push pins all over the wall connecting all these different people's faces and maps and stuff. It's getting kind of crazy in here, guys. And as I just wrapped that final string of yarn around that red push pin, you'll notice on the wall the word Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying both of these things because I hope it paints a very clear picture for you. I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like his tendency to seize power wherever he can, but it is absurd to believe that he's the man 
pardon the pun here, that has set the precedent for overreach of power. He has not upended the delicate tradition. Barack Obama did that single-handedly by planning spies in the transition team of the incoming president. I think Obama's just mad that Trump is a bigger narcissist than he is. I mean, that might be true. Which which is tough to do. It's probably not even Barack. It's probably Michelle. Don't you, let him, don't you let him be more important than me. Yeah, yeah Michelle. I you got it, Michelle. I wouldn't want to piss that dude off. <laughs> you go tell him to calm down, Barack. Okay, Michelle. Okay, Michelle. Go on down there and do it right now. The delicate tradition. Listen, Obama has done it. And I'm sure everybody else did it, and they didn't get caught. But because I be- I'm a firm believer in this. You have to go back 230-something years to get to the point. That's probably really bad math. Uh, I just did Declaration of Independence math. You have to go back to Washington, handing it off to Adams to find a time where it was somewhat peaceful. But if you haven't listened to the Wicked Games podcast, you should go listen to Wicked Games and understand that there has been, you know, uh, nefariousness afoot the entire time. These guys... Like Colonel Mustard in the library with a candlestick? Oh, yes. Oh. It's been bad the whole time. All so, right. So go listen. I'm going to check it out then. And and that guy, it's it's an amazing podcast. He's running all the way from the first election to the forthcoming election. And he's really, really good. Now, the hard part of it, and I'll move on, but the hard part of that podcast is there's so much information. He's squeezing it into 40 minutes. It is really hard to keep up. Really hard. But it's really well done. Anyway. I'm smart. It won't be hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're always happy. Uh, they continue. <laughs> we have norms in our transition. Mom. Listen to this. It's, it gets even better. We have norms in our traditions, uh, in our transition, rather than laws. What? So, yeah. Said Rachel Kleinfeld, a senior fellow in the Democracy, Conflict, and Governance Program at the Carnegie Foundation, who was not a part of the game, by the way. Quote, this entire election season is something a democracy expert would worry about. Well, thank God we're not a democracy, you idiot. Uh, That's not in the article. It is a fear that has been stoked by the president himself, who has repeatedly warned, this is the author of the article, who has repeatedly warned, without offering evidence, of widespread fraud involving mail-in ballots, in which voters are likely to use at unprecedented levels because the pandemic has made in-person voting a potential health risk to cast doubt on the results of November's election. He t- uh, then she quotes Trump telling Fox News, I think mail-in voting is going to rig the election. I really do. Uh, when asked if he would accept the election results, he said, I'll have to see. Now, so that's... There you go. That's an important thing there as well, because there's two guys, if you remember, in recent history who also did not accept the outcome of, a, of an election. Do you remember this presidential mm-hmm. election? It was pretty famous down in Florida. Yeah, what, when, was, what was that guy's name? He ended up getting fat and making documentaries. The Flat Earther guy. Yeah, what was his deal? Oh, yeah, uh, Fat Flat Earth Al. <laughs> That's the one. That's what yep. they call him now. That's the one. Former Vice President Joe Biden, the presumptive, this is back to the article, the presumptive Democratic nominee. Has he not formally taken the nomination? Uh, not until the uh, convention, right? I could be convinced to vote for him. I really could. Um, I'm thinking he's saying a lot of things that make sense. Specifically, you know, um, that poor kids are as smart and talented as white kids. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and racist. <sighs> I think every 7-Eleven is owned by Indian people, and I can't figure out why. But every time you go into a 7-Eleven, there's an, you know, guy with an Indian accent. I think that's a great part of America. I didn't, that's not an original thought to me. It's a Joe Biden quote, if you remember. Uh, he loves it. Just writing this down so I know who to be mad at later. But yeah. yeah, keep going. He's a pretty racist old dude. And it's all, the, the fun part is uh, it's on tape and you can go watch it. Anyway, um, so he's taken to issuing foreboding warnings of his own like he did it, right? This president, quote, this president is going to try to indirectly steal the election by arguing that mail-in ballots don't work. They're not real. They're not fair, he said at a fundraiser on Thursday night. (laughs) He has also mused publicly about Trump having to be escorted forcibly, if need be, from the White House. I want to be real clear about this. I don't believe a word of that until I see the video of him actually completing that sentence. Because in the past couple of weeks, I don't think I've seen him complete a single sentence. You'll see the dash. 
Uh, so the sentence reads dash, like this. Yeah. This pre- so the the sentence looks like this on the screen. This president is going to try to indirectly steal the election by arguing that mail-in ballots don't work. Dash, they're not real. They're not fair. Here's how it probably went in person. Uh, steal the election by arguing that mail-in ballots don't work. They're not real. They're not fair. And Squirrel! Just, then he just trails off, yeah. So yeah. that's that's an M-dash. So in literary terms, that's like a hard pause. It's like a dramatic pause, yeah. So that's probably right where he lost his train of thought. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. Uh, and again, he's mused that Trump will have to be escorted forcibly if need be from the White House. By the way, you ever heard of, uh, there's this thing that they're, they're using now, this term dog whistle, right? Like uh, when people say things that are yeah. racist, Get you but you up. only know it if you're a racist. You yeah. tell me that's not a dog whistle to Antifa and Black Lives Matter that you might have to forcibly remove Trump from the White House. You look at what's happening, literally happening at the steps of the White House right now, and you think that's a responsible thing to say? Anyway, uh, the, the article goes on. That happened, and, and I think we're close to wrapping it up on the article, aren't we? Oh, man. That's a, uh, we got a little more to go on that one, I believe. All right, all right. Let's, let's power through real fast. Um, that happened in one of the four scenarios the Transition Integrity Project gamed out, according to summaries of the exercises provided to the Boston Globe. But constitutional experts and the gameplay was less focused on the possibility of a cinematic militarized intervention on Inauguration Day, which is a possibility many still consider remote, than the room the Constitution appears to leave for a disastrous and difficult transition if the incumbent does not accept a loss. Said Lawrence Douglas, a professor at Amherst College, how well is our constitutional legal system designed to deal with an incumbent president who insists that he won an election but for the presence of fraud. And I think the rather unfortunate answer is our system is not well designed at all to deal with that problem, said Douglas, who was not involved in the game. Yes, it is. It's already played itself out. Very recently, we had a president who said, I don't think that's the right outcome. Again, Well, we had a challenger to the president who said that, and the president said, okay, let it play out in court. And the court went in and did what it did, and they finalized it. What this is, is the left saying, there's no acknowledgement here, as I've seen, of the Bush-Gore incident. So they must just not believe that was effective. Uh, Brooks got the seed of the idea for the Transition Integrity Project after a dinner where a federal judge and a corporate lawyer each told her why they were convinced the military or the Secret Service would have to escort Trump out of office if he lost the election and would not concede. So there's two large assumptions here, that he, does, that he doesn't win, and then that he doesn't concede. Brooks wasn't so sure. She and Gilman decided to turn the Washington parlor game into an actual exercise. They held an early meeting in Washington with about 25 people in December, started talking about it, got it off the ground. Two things have happened since then, according to the author. Trump has displayed increased willingness to challenge mail-in ballots, as he should, by the way, and his administration has deployed federal forces to quell protests in front of the White House and in Portland. And he's threatened to do so in other cities. We're going to leave it there on the article itself. And then let's pull this thing apart for the next couple of minutes. I want to know how this game is actually played. And full disclosure, um, I have never played Dungeons and Dragons. So I'm not sure how this works where you, where the game is somehow played. Where some, So I assume there's some role playing involved here. Someone is acting as hey, if they're Keep Trump. that at home. Sorry, sir. Oh, sorry. I forgot this is a family show. Talking about something else? Yep. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> um, so, I assume someone's going to pretend they're Trump. Someone's going to pretend they're Biden, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I, I'm trying to wrap my head around how they come to these conclusions. And so, like, one of the early conclusions in the article is that no matter what happened, any of the outcomes that they played through the scenarios all ended in street violence. So that goes back, I think to your dog whistle theory, right? I mean, why, why is that an outcome regardless? Now I don't, I'm not gonna say I disagree with it. I'm just saying if you're playing this game, why is that always an outcome? I personally believe, uh, where you're seeing these riots and, 
uh, in Portland and Seattle and throughout the country, I firmly believe that you're going to see more of that no matter what the outcome of the election is. So I'm not saying I disagree with the article. I'm just wondering how you play this game and how we get to the point where that is is uh, a consistent yeah. outcome. It, it, in my opinion, I believe it's nothing more than a glorified version of what you and I are doing right now. These are friends that got together, talked out what they think would be possible outcomes of, okay, what if Trump loses but then doesn't concede power? What does the Constitution say about that? And then they get the Boston Globe on board. They get this uh, hack journalist on board. What, what, is, uh, what is her name? Mrs. Not Feel Good, Bid Good, Jess Bid Good, which I guess could be a dude. Um, and It's 2020. And, anything's and, possible. And that's what's crazy is they, they paint this dire scenario of here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. If Trump does this, this will do that, you know, blah, blah. Um, and, and again, it's just really far-fetched propaganda. It is based on the premise. I don't know if that's the way you say it. For this to, let me say two things. For this to make sense to you, you have to believe that voter fraud is not a thing, which is an absurd way to think. So we're already starting out very much in the Dungeons and Dragons fantasy world, is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Because we just talked about the fact that Nevada is going to be the state that loosens restrictions on who can and yeah. cannot As total touch your ballot. All. Right. It's total free-for-all. Well, lest we forget, in an article from oh, May 26th of this year. Well, isn't that crazy? Just a few months ago. You're not, you're not even a full pandemic away from this article. <laughs> Former Nevada Attorney General Adam Laxalt has echoed President Trump's concerns about mail-in voting. Telling Tucker Carlson tonight on Fox News, this is the game. He says, quote, it's about winning elections and gaining power. And here in my swing state, you're seeing videos of thousands of ballots that are piled up in apartments and trash cans and in hallways. And this is all because we are doing our first mail-in ballot election in the history of our state, all under the cloak of the pandemic. Laxalt spoke hours after Twitter slapped a warning label on one of President Trump's tweets. For the first time, cautioning readers that despite the president's claim, fact checkers, in quote, say there's no evidence that mail-in voting would increase fraud risks, while also noting that experts say mail-in ballots are very rarely linked to voter fraud. The former state attorney general went on to claim that Nevada, which is one of several states have chosen to expand mail-in voting during COVID, has been sending absentee ballots to inactive voters. 200,000 of them. We're mailed ballots all across the greater Las Vegas area, he said. And we have no way to know if they're going to lead to massive voter fraud. And they continue to sue to get rid of signature verifications to enact California-style ballot harvesting right there in Nevada. The interesting thing, he noted, is the Democrat registrar in Clark County, where Las Vegas is located, he said, I don't want to mail inactive, I don't want to mail inactive voters. What happened? His county commission, almost all Democrats said, you are going to mail inactive voters. There's a postal worker in Las Vegas who's quoted as saying, quote, I'm seeing ballots everywhere. They're not secure. What's going to happen with all these ballots? They're literally mailing ballots stacked up in apartments and hallways and trash cans that you can just fill out and hand in for your candidate of choice. Hundreds yeah. of them. And we're going to trust the United States Postal Service with this. The same people who yes. not long ago, a couple of weeks ago, there was an article out basically saying that the Postmaster General essentially said uh, if it's going to delay the routes, then just don't just don't send it. I got to tell you something. Because I think it's apropos. I had to place a really awkward call today. Can you play customer service guy for a second? Sure. Uh, you work for a company called Competitive Cycling. Go ahead. Say, hey, I'm Patrick from Competitive Cycling. Hey, this is Patrick with Competitive Cycling. Uh, How can I help you today? Your life must suck. It does. <laughs> no. All right. Here's exactly what happened. So I have to fake this <laughs> yeah. all day long. Hey, Patrick. While you yell at me. Hey, yeah. Listen, shut up for a minute. Um, Sorry, sir. 
This is literally. Please leave a review. <laughs> hey, Patrick. Yeah. Really interesting thing. Um, on June 12th, I bought a pair of shorts from you guys. Checking. <laughs> I bought it uh, through your Amazon shop. Oh, yeah. I don't have those records here. Let me give you my order number. Okay, go ahead. Right, here it is. Blah, 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 dash, blah, 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 blah. Do you see that you guys refunded that order uh, about two weeks ago? Nope. (laughs) So I have to call this shop and tell the guy, you guys refunded my money a couple weeks ago because I sent an email asking where the order was, and you said the post service lost it. It's gone. It hasn't moved in weeks. We mailed it out the day after you bought it, and it has not moved. Yeah, we ship it. They lose it. (laughs) It's exactly right. And so the guy goes, oh, okay. I said, ah, so they showed up Saturday. (laughs) He's like, no kidding? I said, yeah. Can I pay you for them? Like, you know, I can't get 75 bucks. Can I pay for them? He goes, yeah, of course. And so uh, he thanked me for being honest, and I said to him, this is what's crazy. This is what makes it appropriate is I said, no, no, no. I work for a company that ships and I know, I know the the post office is so inept and so entirely unreliable. Can I one up your story? Please. I ordered uh, some baby formula and this was in the middle of everything being shut down. Yeah. So we're the baby formula. We're getting low and I get, Tracking, as I always do, I won't say who I bought it from. It wasn't Amazon, uh, but I get tracking. Uh, it's like clockwork. It's about every two days or, you know, from the time you order it, you'll get it. And so we're waiting and we're waiting. It doesn't show up. And then I check my phone and it says that it was delivered at uh, 1149 p.m. on a Sunday night. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's that's weird. So I call their customer service. I talk to a guy in India. He doesn't understand anything I'm saying. You know, he is really no help whatsoever. And I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk. He just, we were not on the same wavelength. Right. So finally, I get through to him that I've ordered this stuff. It says it's delivered. It obviously hasn't. Uh, you know, because now at this point, this is like Tuesday. He's like, all right. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going <laughs> to refund everything on that order. And I was like, no, no, no. One thing didn't show up. Right. The rest of it I got. Out of how many? How many things did you order? Uh, a handful. Okay. You know, three or four maybe. Okay. So, so one. Yeah, so 25%. 25%, 25% doesn't show up. It's not the end of the world. We still had some formula. I could still go to the grocery store and get it. Seriously, not a big deal. The guy ends up. Okay, I got you. I understand. It's just the one thing. I see it. So if you'll just take care of that, I'll just reorder it. Not a big deal. Actually, I think I asked him. I said, can you just can you just reorder it for me? That ended up being a whole debacle. I said, tell you what. You just take care of that one. I'll reorder it right now. Ship another one. Be here in two days. We're good. Uh, so he ends up refunding the whole order, even though I got the other items. And then... About two days later, USPS drops off the formula. <laughs> nice. So I did the same thing you did. Right. Call them back. I said, hey, I actually got all the stuff. And they were like, happens all the time. Don't worry about it. Yeah. They just didn't even care. Yeah. So they just took a loss on that. And you know, um, to compliment the point, my dentist recommends a certain toothbrush by a company called Burst. Okay. And he says, just get this. It's got this thing. It's good for you. You need it. Your teeth are dirty. You drink too much coffee. Okay, cool. So I ordered it, and the exact same thing played out. Never showed. I sent Burst a message. Hey, it never showed. They said, so sorry. Happens all the time. Send, we'll send it out right now. Two days later, I get one. Six weeks later, I get a second. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. And so I sent him a message. And I go, hey, second one showed up. I'm not going to open the box. I know what it is. I'll send it back to you. And they were cool. They said, no, just gift it to somebody. Use it as a gift. So my anniversary came around. That's right. 
<laughs> no, I did. I just gave it to my wife. I said, hey, if you want to try this, try it. Uh, so, can we, we can, no one, no one with a modicum of rationale in their head can pause and reflect and come to the conclusion that the United States Postal Service can be trusted with the integrity of the United States presidential election. Who is the person willing to die on that hill outside of Nadler and I Pelosi? Mean, and I might trust Globe? FedEx. At least their tracking works. <laughs> no. But, you know. No. No? no I always feel like FedEx is worse. They cannot. Listen, I hardly trust the machines because it's electronic. I don't like that feeling. I do think that's pretty weird. I feel like you should have to show up, check a box with a pin, sign your initials at the bottom, and that's how you vote. And then maybe even you say it out loud for the room to hear, <laughs> you know, whatever it takes. Stand at attention. Yeah. There's got to be some integrity to this thing. Although the, so where I vote, we got new machines in the last primary. Uh, and it's a electronic machine and you make your selections and then it prints it out on like a, a Scantron type document, yeah. this tall, skinny piece of paper, and you can actually review it. Mm. Um, and then for it to actually count the vote, you walk it over this machine, you lay it face down so everybody can't see what you what you picked. It feeds into this machine and supposedly it counts <laughs> it. I guess that that's because it prints out a piece of paper that's supposed to make you feel better about it. Well, that's what they but actually what, what get. What the hell yeah. happens to it once it goes yeah. into that other machine? What if that's just a really fancy-looking shredder? <laughs> right. There's nothing happening. No, that's legit. Do you get? Do you still get the eight track cassette to push in there? That lady still walk around. With the eight, uh, yeah, eight track? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that programs it to like what your voting district is, right? Uh, yeah. Well, it turns the machine on and all that too. Yeah. yeah. What I think is happening that nobody is really saying sets them up so they all vote Democrat. That's right. Party ticket every time. Yeah. You know, I worked the polls one year. I thought I'm sorry to hear that. I'll do a civic duty and work the poll. I had a good time. It really was fun. I probably wouldn't do it again. You and Barb and Marge. Yeah, it was old women and me. But like, what are you doing here, young man? It pays well. I'm oh. telling you right now. I know it doesn't come along very often, but it I mean it pays nearly two hundred bucks for the day of sitting there. So you have to go to a class and learn how to do it for like a couple hours one day. But my point is I worked the polls. I didn't hate it. It wasn't like a you know, it wasn't exactly fun. But what was interesting was that there is a decorum. Like you can feel when people come in to vote, the people that do vote, over, you know, for, for the majority of them, they tend to have like a, a church vibe, if that even yeah. makes sense. Reverence. Yeah, it's there you go. That's a great word for it. Yeah, it's a very reverent time. And so I feel like embracing, you know, mail, mail in voting is kind of an admission by the current generation of voters that it's all just a big joke anyway. Like, yeah. Who cares? It yeah. doesn't really matter. It doesn't mean anything. Let this well, person be president. I've actually it, seen people uh, online, uh, there's screen grabs floating around Instagram and stuff where people are saying, you know, I can, I can order food on my phone and it'll be here in 10 minutes and I can do this on my phone. I can do that on my phone. And so the whole point is, is that you should be able to do this yeah. by your phone. Sure. And it's like, yeah, I, don't, I mean, uh, have you guys not been paying attention to what, you know, Google's doing or Dude, TikTok or, is a TikTok thing for a reason. Or Facebook yeah. or, or Apple yeah. or Amazon. Yeah, you want me to keep going? I like I can keep going guys. Yeah, like who, who the hell do you want to make this app that you're going to vote yeah. for the leader of the free world with you yeah. idiot. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't make any sense, but yeah. that's, but legitimately it's how people are thinking right now. They'll do it soon enough. I mean, you got facial recognition and fingerprint recognition. People will vary. I'm sure my kids will be so accustomed to it and so willing that they'll go down to an office of some sort. They'll register their fingerprint, their facial recognition. The government will convince them it's no different than what's on your phone. And it probably won't be. And then you'll probably all arrive at a voting place that's on a secure IP of some sort, log in to a machine and do it simultaneously and be done. I can see that happening and nobody caring, and I can see it being very troublesome. I bet that's sooner than you think, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Final thoughts on the article, Mr. Hulon. For me, and then I'll hand it to you, is 
This is a scary time because I don't. This isn't treated like a an editorial. This is a report about legitimate concern over a quote unquote study that was done. But this is nothing more than a thinly veiled editorial of a war game scenario, a hypothetical, a thing that could probably maybe sometime, if all goes wrong, happen. And they're treating it as if there's evidence to suggest this is how Trump would behave and the military would have to forcibly remove the man from office. It's a very dangerous conversation to introduce to the group given the current political climate in this country. We have really radical, crazy people in the streets tearing things apart. You have people in Portland blinding police officers, throwing frozen water bottles at their heads, blinding and maiming federal officers. They're putting nails in mortar fireworks. Yeah. There's a war happening in the streets. This isn't the thing you put out there when there's a war happening. So this is Nazi propaganda, and I mean that sincerely. Like, I do think the people that get together and talk like this have a very far-left, crazy ideology. They want the fight. They're begging for the fight, and they want to be able to point the finger at Trump when it happens. Crazy to me. Crazy. I would agree with you. You know, I referenced a podcast I listened to a while back, a couple months ago. Um, I don't think I said the name of it, but the name the of Wiggles. it is... Yep. And that is... It's a heck of a show, if you haven't seen it. <laughs> um, I'm talking about the live version, the Ice Capades. Um, <laughs> At least there is some eye relief on the Wiggles, because yeah. that lucky guy. Woo! Yep. That curly hair. We'll call him lucky for nothing. <laughs> anyway, I, I feel like I'm lucky for getting to watch him. This is completely TV. derailed. He's a looker. <laughs> I think I think we got your point on that one. <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, moving on. Uh, so this podcast was called um, "It Could Happen Here," mm. and again, the premise was um, uh, we're we're on the brink of a second civil war. Unfledged, um, and this, and you know, obviously, uh, the guy was on to something there, which is what intrigued me about it was. Um, um, that we're, we were very close. This was before COVID. This was before the riots, this was before George Floyd and BLM and all that stuff that's gone on this year. Um, but it plays out similar to this in that what it does is it points the finger at uh, the right and basically says, whatever bad is going to come from this is all going to be because the right is not willing to compromise are willing to um, transition legally or, or what have you. And I, so this to me reads very similar to the premise of that podcast, um, which, you know, originally listening to it, it's like, okay, well, anything could happen. Um, it hasn't aged well because it starts out fairly neutral, but then it becomes this editorial of, well, conserve someone. Some of these militant right wingers are going to start a civil war in the country, um, and so it's funny to me that that just hasn't really aged well. And this, I feel like, probably will go the same way. I th- yeah, and I think you're you're dead on at calling this conditioning. Like this is just a way of making sure that the people that read this, they'll and and what the Boston globe wants is for people to read this and take it away as fact and walk away from it going, if I have to get violent and fight back, this is why, because he's going to behave this way and science has proved it. That's what they want. And that's what they'll get out of it. Okay. Uh, it is time. I think it's time. Are you done? You ready? All right. I'm ready. Here we go. Just stay ready. I'm an ambitious officer. I need to be a part of the 100 Club. Yeah, it's our vote of the week, and it, it kind of goes, uh, <laughs> goes to NFAC, but also not to NFAC. Here's the thing. You're, you're watching this uh, Not Effing Around Coalition. They're making news. If you didn't see, they had a demonstration, and essentially, well, I think we talked about it here, one of their guys uh, had a negligent discharge and injured himself and three others. And so the leader, Grandmaster Jay, Gets onto Facebook this last week. Prohibit to the hippity. And he says, all the wrong things. Yeah. I was going to try and 
flow over that, but then I realized it had too many lyrics. You didn't, you didn't turn your headphones up. Sorry. Um, he gets on. He basically calls an AR-15 a bullpup. Talks about. I don't see what's wrong with that. You know, this and that. He's he's just wrong in every way he can be wrong. Now, here's the thing. There's two ways to look at this. He is our voter of the week. Those AR-15s, they kick. I'm an ambitious officer. I need to be a part of the 100 Club. Yeah. And so, in fact, leader Grandmaster Jay gets on and he says all these wrong things uh, about guns. And the gun community starts tearing him apart. But here, here, again, two things. Number one, if you're looking for a fight, do you want your opponent to know how much you know? Or do you want your opponent to think you're an absolute raging moron? This guy is not an idiot. This guy got thousands of people to join his side and march in the street with him. Now, so did Jim Jones and all that. I get it. But this dude has some moxie, and he's out there making an army. Do not underestimate him at all. Don't, Don't help him. And then, exactly. Don't help him. Thank you. Yes. Let him continue to be wrong. Let him continue to... Yes. And even if that means calling things by the wrong name, I'm okay with that. Do it. I think the less educated, the more ignorant he is on firearms, uh, military tactics, whatever mall ninja clothing they're wearing, all of that stuff, the better off the rest of us are. So just leave it alone. Yeah. Just leave it alone. We don't need it. And that's point number two. Don't correct them. They're the enemy. They want to be the enemy. If they want to be wrong, let them be wrong. Don't need to go out there and make videos of us telling them all the things they've gotten wrong so they can go fix it. Shut up about it. Let them be them. Stop posting it in forums, laughing about it, and making them feel as if either A, they're playing you for a fool, or B, they have a sounding board for how to fix everything they've gotten wrong. I'm pretty sure that's in uh, Art of War. Could be. Sounds like it. Sounds like something yeah, directly. Don't, don't tell Jam Master J that he's a moron. Sun Tzu, probably. Probably. All right, please do us a favor. We love you. We mean it. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Leave a review of the podcast, but more importantly, just tell somebody about it. Say, hey, are you cool? And if they go, I'm cool, you say, do you listen to Felt Recoil? And they go, no. You go, then you're not cool. And you walk away from them. It's that simple. Do it at work tomorrow to your boss. He'll love it or she'll love it. I don't know. Equality and all that. All right, we'll be back. New episodes every Tuesday. Don't forget FeltRecoilShow.com. You can find us on all the social media channels. We'd be glad to have you follow us, and uh, we'll try and provide you your daily dose of snark and news and just flat-out fun. And we'll see you back here next Tuesday for another brand-new episode of the Felt Recoil Podcast. Podcast.